I read a story about a missionary by the name of Herbert Jackson. Mr. Jackson had one of those cars that absolutely would not go unless somebody pushes it. And so he developed an elaborate scheme throughout the day of keeping the car going. First thing in the morning, uh, he lived nearby a school. So he would go to the headmaster and he asked for permission and gets kids out of the school to come and push the car. <laughs> and the kids are always fighting about it. They all want to go out and push the car. Then throughout the day, as he's making his rounds, he would try to find a hill in which he can park his car or he would uh, leave the car running the whole time as he going in and out of his uh, making calls. And this just went on and on and on for two years. Day after day after day, this arduous, this painful, this elaborate scheme. Kids in the morning push the car, keeping it running during the day or having parking it on a hill. For two years, this painful experience persisted until he became ill and he needed to come home. And so the mission board sent a missionary to replace him. And uh, this poor missionary did not only inherit Mr. Jackson's residence, but he inherited this miserable car. (laughs) So he told him, he said, in the morning you go to the school, you go to the headmaster, you get get some kids out and give you a push, and then you keep it running or park it on a hill. And and Mr. Jackson hasn't even finished the conversation. While this new missionary, who happened to be mechanically minded, looked under the hood, or under the bonnet, as they say in England, (laughs) And then he looked in there, he said, now, Dr. Jackson, I believe the problem is very simple. You have a loose cable connection. And he just turned the thing around and got in the car, started the car, and to Mr. Jackson, absolute amazement, it hummed. I mean, it just kept going. Ever since reading this story, I've said to myself, you know, I really believe this is a portrait of the prayer life of many Christians. This is a picture of how many people view their prayer life. (laughs) It's like this car. (laughs) It constantly needs pushing and needs shoving. And many people pray and pray and pray, but then they have no answer to prayer. And the problem all along is a loose connection in your relationship with the Lord. That's what's stopping your prayers from being answered. Loose connection that is hindering you from experiencing the power in prayer. Loose connection that is causing you to feel as if you are spinning your wheels in prayer. A loose connection that keeps you from receiving answers to your prayer. A loose connection in your life that is causing you to go through this elaborate procedure of asking and begging God and asking God and asking and asking and never receiving. A loose connection that is robbing you of the joy that comes from intimacy with God one-on-one daily. Loose connection that has stopped you from hearing His voice as you read His Word. There are others who are running around looking for just that one book or that one preacher or that one counselor or that one formula that is going to take care of things, that's going to help them out, that's going to give them what they're looking for. 
Someone said to me not long ago, he said, my prayer seems to be not going any higher than the ceiling, and, and I feel that God is so far away from me. Why is this? Why is this? Today, I want to show you from the Word of God the six possible things that causes a loose connection that sees you from receiving answers to prayer. Number one, your prayers will be hindered when the marriage relationship is out of kilter. Secondly, when you have wronged someone and did not make restitution, your prayers will not be answered. Number three, when you have an unforgiving spirit lurking inside your soul, your prayers will not be answered. Number four, when covetousness sets in, that will hinder your prayers from being answered. Fifth, when disobedience become a pattern in your life. And finally, when unconfessed sin is cherished. When marriage, relationship, is out of kilter, prayers will not be answered. Say, Michael, where did you get that? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It's a familiar verse. Probably most of you know it. But don't jump the gun, because what I want to point out to you here is far more important. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing would hinder your prayers. Another translation puts it, lest your prayers go unanswered. There's even a much clearer translation. Now, I'm not planning on expounding on this verse. I would have taken me several messages just to expound on this one verse. But the Bible makes it very clear at this point here that God has delicately given us a balanced formula for a joyous, contented marriage. That formula is like a delicately balanced chemical formula. If the ingredients are not right, if the measurements are not according to, to that formula, things are going to go out of whack. Uh, they will go high wire. Now, Coca-Cola has a secret formula. Very few people have access to it. It's in a vault. But the formula for joyous, contented marriage is spelled out. It is not a secret. It is not locked up in a vault. It is very clearly spelled in the Word of God. So what is that formula? Listen carefully, please. It is for the husband to lovingly and humbly lead, and for the wife to joyfully follow. Did you get that? You can turn this formula upside down. You can turn it sideways. You can go whichever way you want. You can go and read all the 2,000 books on marriage that are in the bookstores. <laughs> Be my guest. It's fine. I'm going to tell you, everything boils down to this formula. If these two ingredients are not delicately balanced in the marriage, the marriage gets out of whack. But listen, beloved, listen to me. The good news is this. Whenever this formula gets out of whack, it can be restored. That is the thing about our Christian faith. You know, in my house, we have experienced this again and again and again for nearly 40 years. When tension arises between me and my wife, it is because one of us messed up that formula. Mostly hers. <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually got her permission to say that. <laughs> because if you believe that, I've got a bridge I want to sell you. And that is why you only have one option, not two or three. One option, and that is confession and repentance and restoration so that the unity of the Spirit in the marriage and the bond of peace be restored. That's, of course, if you want your prayers to be answered, the Word of God says, make sure your marriage is is in sync spiritually. Hear me right in this one. If God's delicate balance formula gets out of whack day after day after day or week after week after month after month after month, <laughs> let me assure you that your prayer life will be like Mr. Jackson's car. I mean, you're pushing and you're shoving and you're parking on the hill and you keep the car running and you're trying everything which way, you know, but it's not going to go our prayers will not be answered. When a husband does not love his wife enough to place her needs above his, the formula is out of whack. When the wife constantly criticizing her husband and putting him down and usurping his headship, the formula is out of whack. The answer is immediate confession. I'm saying immediate. Can you say the word immediate with me? Immediate, that is the immediate confession and the seeking of each other's forgiveness. Beloved, if you are not receiving answers to prayer, you need to go back, examine your relationship with your spouse. Are you spiritually in sync? Secondly, your prayers will not be answered when you have wronged someone and refused to make restitution. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, said, Therefore, if you are offering your gifts at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come back and make your offering. Now remember, in the Old Testament, it is the head of the household who would come and bring the lamb to the altar as a sacrifice on behalf of his entire family. That was the task of the head of the household. Not everybody came in and brought a gift, but each family came and brought a gift. And Jesus is saying that if you get there and the lamb's feet are tied and and you're ready to hand him over to the priest to be offered, and then you remember that you've wronged somebody and that person is hurt and that person is offended, you leave that in front of the altar there feet tied and all, and go back and make restitution, then come back and make your offering. Now, in the New Testament, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is our sacrificial lamb. In the New Testament, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away our sin. Jesus is the one who died on the cross to pay for our sins. We don't offer a lamb anymore. We come to church to offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We come to church on Sunday so that we may offer the sacrifice of our labor through our tithe and offerings. But beloved, until you have dealt 
with the issue of taking advantage of someone or abusing someone or cheating someone or deliberately hurting someone, your prayers and your praise and your giving is hollow because God is not pleased with them. And God will not bless you. You may have been praying for a long time for something, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. I said, what's wrong? Why God is not answering my prayer? I have not received the answer. Examine yourself. Have I deliberately hurt someone? Have I deliberately offended someone? Have I deliberately injured someone? Now, Zacchaeus, when he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, remember little Zacchaeus? (laughs) Tax collectors, I mean, those tax collectors were brutal. I mean, they will put their hands in your pocket and take everything you got. <laughs> and and they'll take more than their share, and then they give some to the, to the Roman governor, pocket the rest. I mean, they were rascals. And Zacchaeus was one. But he said to the Lord Jesus when he had an encounter with him, he said, if I have wronged, <laughs> if, <laughs> he should have said, I, I know I've wronged a whole bunch of people. I'm going to go back and give it four times. And Jesus, on the strength of that confession, said, salvation has come to this house. Number three, when unforgiving spirit lurks in your soul. The reason the Bible talks about the root of bitterness, because it is hidden from sight. You don't see the root of a tree, do you? If you can see the root of the tree, then it's dead. Okay, you can dug it up. It is lurking underneath. You can't see it. He didn't say the fruit of bitterness. He said the root of bitterness because it digs deep underground. And the Bible said that unforgiving spirit will hinder your prayers from being answered. Now, I know forgiveness is an issue. There are thousands of books are written and millions of sermons are preached. And I'm not going to cover it in five minutes, okay? But let me be very clear on this one. I am so glad I lived long enough that I can make this statement because... It did not come overnight. But for me, this is a clear-cut issue. I don't think about it hard or long. (laughs) It, It is unambiguous. There is no doubt in it. And that is why when Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, and then he went on to say, And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our wrongdoing as we forgive those who wrong us. Now, there's something I need to explain here, because somebody says, you know, if I'm struggling with forgiveness, am I going to lose my salvation? Let me explain to you. The Bible talks about two kinds of forgiveness. The first forgiveness is when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You recognize that you're a sinner and you're heading for hell without His salvation, and you say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Forgive me my sins. I receive you as my only Savior who paid the wages of my sins. You are the only Lord, your only Redeemer. And the Bible said at that moment you are forgiven. You are transformed from darkness to light. You are being transformed from hell to heaven. You have been transformed from death to life. At that moment, all of your sins are blotted out from the sight of God. Eternally. That's the first kind of forgiveness. There's a second kind of forgiveness that Jesus is talking about here. And that is because we live in this sinful world. We get the mud of sin sticks to us. And we have all kinds of things that are taking place that muddy our soul and muddy our spirit. Now, 
The theologians call the first kind of forgiveness, you say, you are positionally forgiven. That you are in a position of being forgiven eternally. But this daily forgiveness, this daily cleansing, is is something that we do every day simply because we're living in a sinful world. Let me give you an illustration to make this point. You remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? And Peter said, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. And he said, typical Peter, he jumped again and said, give me a bath. <laughs> I don't want not to have part with, of, of you. I'll get a bath. He said, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Those who have already been bathed, that is, those who are forgiven, positionally forgiven, those whose names are written in the book of life, those who are born again, those who, are, who belong to Christ, already been bathed, all they need is the washing of the feet as you walk the streets of the sinful world. Just the feet need to be washed. That is what Jesus is talking about here in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our wrongdoing as we forgive those who wronged us. Daily cleansing. So when you're not forgiving somebody, this daily cleansing, this daily forgiveness that you receive from the hand of the Lord is going to clog the line of communication between you and the Lord. And you're not going to receive answer to prayer. Because you are holding a grudge. You're carrying a bitterness. You have not forgiven somebody. You see, that is going to cause statics in the line of communication, and therefore, you're not going to hear the answer to your prayers. These daily unforgiveness cause the Holy Spirit that is within you to grieve. And when you grieve your best friends, who do you have to comfort you? They're going to hinder your prayers from being answered. Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive someone, you will not experience daily cleansing, daily forgiveness. Is it going to affect your salvation? No. And when you don't experience daily cleansing, your communication line gets clogged. The cable connection loosens up. Why? Because unforgiveness is a sin that will hinder you fellowshipping with your heavenly Father on an intimate basis. Forgiving anyone and everyone who wronged me is my moment-by-moment, not just daily, occurrence. And trust me when I tell you, I learned this the hard way. It wasn't always like that. But I know experientially how unforgiveness and bitterness and holding of grudges can hinder answers to prayer. Not only my prayer life gets hindered, but praying for other people gets hindered. And think about that responsibility for a long time. (laughs) Listen to me. Don't ever ask a bitter person, an unforgiving person, to pray for you. (laughs) Did you get that? You know why? You get into trouble too. Because the answers to your prayer is going to get clogged in their pipeline. (laughs) Now, beloved, listen. I have seen with those two eyes what unforgiveness does. I have seen unforgiveness destroy marriages. I've seen unforgiveness destroy homes. I've seen it destroy relationships. I've seen unforgiveness actually causes physical pain that is unexplainable. Give it up. Ask the Lord to give you the strength to be a forgiving person. And I'm telling you, this is one prayer God will answer. Number four, 
covetousness hinders answer to prayer. Now, whenever we hear the word covetousness, immediately think of, well, you know, somebody basically desiring what somebody else has, which is true. But covetousness can manifest its ugly head in unfaithfulness with that which is in our life that belongs to God. Keeping that which belongs to the Lord is a sin and is going to hinder answers to your prayer. When the Lord rebuked His people through Malachi for their covetousness. It was because they were keeping the tithe and the offering. It because they were stealing what's not theirs, what belongs to the Lord. They were robbing God. They were keeping that which belongs to God. And he said in Malachi 3.8, he said, return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord. Question, what kept them from the Lord, and why did they need to return? because they were keeping for themselves that which belongs to the Lord. Beloved, listen to me. For years, for years, I robbed God. I stole from God. I was a thief. I was ordained to the ministry, and I was a thief. Until 30 years ago, the Lord convicted me. Because you see, I would rationalize it, you know, I'm in full-time ministry. I, I, I give myself to the Lord, and God says, come off it. Put the cash in there. Put the cash in there. And then I realized that that's what the people during Malachi time were doing. They'll say, I've got needs, and they will rationalize it. You miss out on so much blessings when you're changing God for what belongs to God. Trust me. God said, when you repent and return to me what belongs to me, then watch out, because I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out so much blessings that you can't handle it. That's a rough translation, but you get the meaning. And God is saying to His people through Malachi, repent of your stealing of the money, and watch out, God answer prayer. Number five, when disobedience become a habit, your prayers will not be answered. You know the very first king Israel had? You know the story. A man by the name of Saul, I mean, had all the pedigree and all the qualifications that any king would have. He was tall. He was handsome. He was strong. He was charismatic. I mean, he was, he's got it all. Well, he had it all. <laughs> but he had one major flaw. He was disobedient to the Lord. He relied on his charisma to accomplish things, and that was his downfall. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, here's what the prophet Samuel said to him. He said, Has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offering and sacrifice as in your obedience? Saul tried to pray, and God would not answer him because disobedience. See, disobedience is a form of arrogance and pride. It really is. Now, you may be living a life where deep down you know there's an area of disobedience in your life, and the Holy Spirit is pointing to it. You know it. Nobody else might know it. You do. You know what you're doing that is not pleasing to the Lord. You know what you're doing that is not honoring the Lord. You know 
what you're doing is placing you in that place of temptation all the time. And your prayers are not being answered. Remember this. Obedience. Open heaven's doors. Obedience. Bring answers to prayer. A verse I shared with you in the last message, I want to give it to you again. It's worth repeating. It's worth memorizing. 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us and we have confidence before God, we receive from Him anything we ask. And that's where most people stop. Don't stop there. Keep going. Because we obey His commands and do what is pleasing to Him. That's the rest of the verse. Here you see the connection. Obedience. Blessing. Obedience. Answers to prayer. Obedience. Because when you're obedient to the Lord, you're not going to pray for anything that's outside of the will of God. Finally, unconfessed sin will hinder answers to prayer. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Let me give you a much clearer translation. If I cherish iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not have listened, but He has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. You notice the Bible did not say, if I sin, God will not listen, God will not hear me, God will not answer my prayer. And I am so thankful, dude, about this, because... If that was the case, all of us were up the creek. We'd be. But he's saying it is the love of sin. It is the cherishing of sin. It is the habitual sin. It is the excusing of sin. It is the rationalizing of sin. That's what hinders answers to prayer. In fact, there is a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that is almost terrifying. Well, Paul was dealing with with a church in Corinth that is disobedient. They had all the spiritual gifts, but they were disobedient. They had all of the spiritual gifts, but they were carnal. And God said to them, through the apostle Paul, that if you are a believer, if your name is written in the book of life, if you are an elect of God, and you persist in sinning and living in carnality, sometimes the Lord takes that person's life in order that he may save his soul. Now, I'll tell you something. If that does not give you some shivers, it does to me. Let me ask you this. Is there a loose connection in your life? Is there a loose connection that is holding back answers to prayer? You can come to the Lord right now. At this very moment, this sacred moment, this holy moment, come to Him right now. Come clean with God. Say, Lord, I don't want any loose connections in my life, in my relationship with You. I don't want any loose cables in my connection with You. You can indeed say to Him with the words of William Cowper. This is a great man. His life story is so amazing. He, he was a great poet, and, and yet he suffered from a great deal of depression in his life. And he went and spent a great deal of time with um, John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace. And he encouraged him along and kept him. He wrote many of the hymns that we, song, that we sing. And for example, he wrote, God moves in mysterious ways, you know, that he was trying to commit suicide. 
And for two hours, the horse and buggy that he was taking to go so he can jump off the bridge into the Thames got lost in the fog. And two hours later, he found himself in front of his house. The cabbie was lost. He goes inside into his study and he writes, God moves in mysterious way his wonders to perform. Our loving Father, I thank you for each individual who is declaring, Father, that whatever it is in our life that is hindering your answer to our prayers, Father, whatever it is that is keeping us from praying in the context of your glory, in the context of your majesty, in the context of the awesomeness of God, in the context of your will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we renounce them. And we ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, Holy Spirit, we are so sorry to grieve you. We're so sorry to quench you. And we ask you that you would renew in us. Holy Spirit, be renewed in us and renew in us total loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray anything that is uh, causing statics in our relationship with you that be removed today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.